0: I'm Lucy. And I'm Jennifer. You're listening to Everything I Know About. Each week, we share everything we know about a new topic, equipped with some internet research and a little too much exposure to pop culture.
1: Hi, everybody. Hello. So we are recording this a week before Chinese New Year, which is February 10th. And I wanted to do this episode to share a bit about my cultural background, but also to have the opportunity to dive into the history of the Chinese Zodiac which is something that I grew up with, but honestly don't know that much about. And in particular, to compare it against the Western Zodiac. So I'm Chinese American. I grew up going to Chinese school, and I learned about my culture a lot through the lessons taught in that school. Chinese New Year is a thing that I grew up celebrating, but I haven't really done anything special around the holiday since I left for college. And now that we're approaching yet another Lunar New Year, It's also a very auspicious year because 2024 is the year of the dragon. And the dragon is the luckiest zodiac symbol in Chinese
0: culture. Yes. I actually just learned this, that you went to Chinese school. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I
0: mean, so what are you picturing when I say that? Do you even know what Chinese school is? I mean, honestly, (laughs) I'm picturing kind of like Bible study, but for Chinese culture, like you go on like a Sunday or something. Because I think, well, I had a, one of my best friends growing up was Chinese. And so she would go to this. So I think I went with her one time. You went? I, like, like a, a show-and-tell oh, person. Yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like literally. Well, That's we were so like funny. attached at the hip. It's a very vague memory. I'm like, just when you said that, it kind of like unlocked it. I was like, shit, I think I've yeah. been there before. <laughs> but like, would you just go like once a week? Or did you go to like an actual like elementary school that was bilingual?
1: No, no, no. I okay. went to normal like American public school. But yeah, no, every, it was Saturday for us. Every Saturday, it was like two hours. You'd go in the morning our Chinese school was at a community college and all of these Chinese people basically just took it over on Saturdays inside each of the college classrooms you'd have like a different grade starts in kindergarten it goes all the way till 12th grade so you do it until you graduate basically oh my God. did you do
0: it up through 12th mm-hmm. grade
1: yeah which is probably surprising to you because wow. I don't actually speak Mandarin that well
0: but yeah no I did so did they teach you culture and language or like what was the lesson plan
1: So you had like a textbook for every grade you were in and essentially like the content of the textbook would be a lot of like Chinese cultural heritage, Chinese history. And then you would be told many of the same stories year after year. It's just that the language describing the story would get more and more sophisticated as you learned more and more characters. How do you speak Mandarin? How do you write Mandarin? Like those are the goals. But like the content that we're reading and writing is about Chinese culture, Chinese history
0: fascinating okay so it's like specifically geared towards children of immigrants yeah
1: I mean I don't know what it would be like now it's just like much more popular to learn Chinese now I think even if you don't have that cultural background but definitely growing up it was only kids of Chinese immigrants
0: well on that note Chinese New Year is something that I've always been really interested by I actually learned a lot about it at school in elementary school Hmm.
1: Um, was there like a lot of agents in your community?
0: No, but I feel like I weirdly went to really progressive schools. Like they were public schools. I told you I've moved around a lot. But when I was living in Kansas, when I was in preschool, hmm. I learned Swahili instead of Spanish, which was what like, But I went to you Montessori school. <laughs> yeah. okay. I went to Montessori school. So we would have like a very big unit on Chinese New Year. I was always very jealous of like the cute red envelope tradition. Uh-huh. And like I always thought the like moon cakes looked really good. And I've always wanted to try one. But that's about like the of it. Well, just to clarify, moon Kicks is not Lunar New Year. It's a different me. holiday. <laughs> <laughs> <was> a different <laughs> holiday. <laughs> White girl fucks up Chinese New Year. <laughs> is there like a traditional food that's eaten on the Chinese New Year?
1: Yeah. So like a whole fish because it symbolizes like abundance. In Chinese culture, the language, because a lot of words sound like other words, like there's accents in mandarin right mm-hmm. so like even just changing a word slightly could make it mean a different thing or even sometimes words that sound exactly the same can mean like 20 30 even like different things because it really depends what the character is written like yeah so the word for fish yu sounds like the word for surplus oh. so it's considered lucky to eat and like this dish called niangao it's a rice cake literally means year cake but it also it sounds like nian gao, which means like you're like gao is cake, but it's also high. Mm. So it sounds like prosperity, like you're high. So people also eat that <laughs> during the so New Year.
0: Cool. So it's like basically yeah. just a bunch of word plays. For yeah, the food. a ton of
1: word play. And then also symbolism, right? Like you eat noodles for longevity.
0: This um, I knew. <laughs> Wait, this one what I knew. It's like those super fucking long noodles, right? For long life, yeah. That's
1: so cool. (laughs) The way that you celebrate Chinese New Year, I mean, it's actually, like, pretty complicated because it's a full 15 days. What? So I think there's a misconception that it's just one day similar to when we literally celebrate, like, New Year's Eve to New Year's, and it's just, like, that night. But no. No, I love a
0: a festival season. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. So this is, like, the major holiday in China. Everybody gets, I think, seven or eight days off, and everybody travels home to their hometown. Really? It's very much like a family holiday. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so I've actually always really wanted to go to China during this time, but it's February often, right? It's usually like it's based on the lunar calendar. So it shifts slightly every year, but it's usually like end of Jan or Feb. And I was always in school at the time.
0: Also, like I'm surprised that we don't know this in the West because you would think just like the amount of business and imports and like infrastructure that happens in China, we would know that like, oh, the world is kind of shutting down for two weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean it's possible
0: that. that people who do trade with China as a job do know that and you don't. Well, uh, as an don't... end consumer, <laughs> as an end consumer, like think about when things were shut down due to COVID, we knew about that.
1: Yeah, but I think this is like people plan for it. Because okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> it happens every year.
0: Yes. <laughs> fair enough, but you would just think that we would know. Like i know for instance that in Europe things shut down in August because like even if you buy a product in Europe and like you try to contact somebody they're going to be like we're out for the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like yeah, yeah fascinating because
1: everybody goes home. They have this like big Lunar New Year's Eve reunion dinner and I even heard stories about this growing up about how like my parents grew up during the communist revolution. They were really really poor and you couldn't eat a ton of food. <laughs> like mostly they were eating like porridge and so everything would be saved for Chinese New Year. Other ways to celebrate like fireworks, lion dances. Red, as you said, is like a really important color. Red in Chinese culture is a lucky color and around Chinese New Year people like make paper lanterns that are red, they do paper cutouts, they paste it all over their windows and, and their door just like a wreath, right? In Christian Love this. culture, it's a time for you to like honor your ancestors and like there's the red envelopes. So I remember getting these as a kid. It was always like so exciting. There's like an etiquette, right? Parents give kids red envelopes, Mm -hmm. and then when you start to hand them out, it's like a transition to adulthood. When now you're the person giving, yeah. Sweet. And as a kid, to get your red envelope, you need to go up to an adult, kneel down, and like show them respect, wish them a happy New Year, and then receive the envelope with two hands.
0: This is such a great learning opportunity because I know so little. I mean,
1: honestly, even though I did grow up Chinese American, I I did not know that much about the history of Chinese New Year either. Growing up, like, I think everybody's gone to a Chinese restaurant and, like, the paper place in that is the Zodiac. And, like, you're at the buffet and you're like, okay, like, which one am I? And, like, who my enemies with is, like, the one directly across from me in the Zodiac. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, because my brother is six years younger than me, so it's 12 animals, right? So whoever is a six-year difference from you, which is right across from you in the Zodiac, you're not compatible with them. So my mom would always be like... This is why you guys fight because like I'm 93, I'm a rooster and he's a rabbit and they don't get along
0: oh that's right I remember being a kid and feeling so bad for the 93 kids and being like oh my god rooster sucks I was born in 1994 which is the year of the dog and I was like very excited as a child that it was dog so that was my favorite animal and like yeah, that's like that's, cute. that's the extent of my like childlike knowledge of the Chinese zodiac <laughs> <laughs> yeah as dog a kid better.
1: <laughs> so the like myth and the story that I always heard growing up was that basically this zodiac originated because the jade emperor declared that he wanted like a way to differentiate time and like keep track of the years, there would be this great race. And so the order of the animals are in the zodiac are the order that the animals finished in this race. They basically had to cross a river. And like, I literally have memories of in Chinese school, this being when I was younger, illustrated and
0: like told, you know, like a kid's book
1: style. Can you
0: like <laughs> say from memory what the order is that they won? Uh
1: huh. Okay. I mean, so I know Rat is first because. What? Which is surprising. Yeah. Over but, the like, dragon? The, well, Here's the story, right? Because they had to explain this somehow, since it doesn't make intuitive sense. So the rat, which is small but cunning, made a deal with the ox, which, you know, ox, big, strong, can just, like, walk through the water, that the rat was going to hitch a ride with the ox, and the ox, being a kind and gentle soul, agreed to it. So the rat and the ox cross first, but the rat, being mischievous, jumps off the ox's back and, like, runs across the finish line. So the rat is first, then the ox, then the tiger, which is self-explanatory, then the rabbit. So, you know, rabbits can't swim, but I guess the rabbit hopped across the river on these rocks and made it. Fifth is the dragon, but they say that, you know, obviously the dragon is a mythical creature, so he should have been able to finish first, but... He was so helpful. He helped all the other animals. Oh, he was like the wise dragon. Like he like blew some air to help the rabbit hop a little further or whatever. So the dragon is fifth. And then there's another story here. So next is the horse and the snake. The horse was crossing the river. All of a sudden, the snake comes out of the brush and scares him. Like horses are afraid of snakes. And the horse rears up and the snake gets across the finish line first. Then you've got the group of three, which is the monkey, the rooster and the sheep who are rafting across the river together (laughs) and they're like helping each other cross. And so they're a team. And then the last two, you've got the dog. Even though the dog can swim, he stopped to play in the river because the water was so nice. And then the last one, the pig. I feel like this one makes sense. The pig was last because he snacked too much. Okay, so these characters are like moralized. Oh, yeah. It's funny because it's like so convoluted. Like, I mean, obviously there's the tortoise and the hare, which I feel like. I was going to say this, this reeks <laughs> it's of really tortoise and the <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Right. But that's so much less complicated, right? Like the, the clear takeaway there is like be industrious. Like don't, don't burn out too quickly. This I have no idea. Like it almost feels like they just had to make something work with what they were given. <laughs>
0: it's very cute though. The explanations are adorable.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that's really honestly all I knew about it, even up until recently when I started looking into it for this episode. But I've obviously always known that like there's these 12 animals and I don't know that much about Western astrology at all. I knew I was a Scorpio growing up, but like would love to hear what you know, because you know a lot about this. You're just like naturally into this I stuff, right? Naturally On the Western into this side. stuff. <laughs>
0: yes. I know quite a bit about the Western Zodiac, but I did do some research into it. Like I didn't really know where it came from. Before, uh, but I am interested in like the Western esoteric tradition as like uh-huh. a subject of both history and science. So I knew some of that background. What a phrase! I am interested in the Western esoteric tradition. <laughs> you sound so highbrow. I love. I sound it. so pretentious <laughs> and also like ridiculously woo woo. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit parallel because there are also twelve signs of the Western zodiac. They like correspond to different times. That- Actually, this is a question for you in the Chinese zodiac, do the animals of the zodiac correspond to times of the year or just like specifically years?
1: So yeah, I found this to be like really interesting. So obviously we all know that they do correspond to years. I think that's like the most common knowledge. So everybody in 93 is a rooster, which obviously growing up, I was like, this is bullshit. Like obviously (laughs) not like every single person in my class. But in doing research, I did find out that so in Chinese feng shui and Chinese astrology, you can actually have a full chart drawn out for you as well. And oh. so they do look at your main animal, right? But then you can also look up your inner animal, which is your month. And
0: then you have your true animal, which is your day, and then you have your secret animal, which is your hour. <laughs> wow. Okay, so this is really parallel to your astrological chart then. I had no idea that it was that complicated.
1: Yeah. And I also didn't know this, but okay, so the full system of like yearly organization is a cycle that resets every sixty years. There are the twelve zodiac animals. They're called the twelve earthly branches. Yes, we have the origin myth, but actually, this was also because people were able to observe that Jupiter had twelve-year orbit. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's twelve. I don't know how they knew that. I was just saying. Then, then you could go
0: like, why Jupiter? Like, what I, is know, I know, I yeah. know. Who knows? I do find the parallels so fascinating, though.
1: Yeah. So... Well, I, did you look into when the Western
0: Zodiac developed? Because I wonder which came first, too. Uh, well, this is fascinating. I did look into this. So the Western Zodiac comes from Babylon and Sumer back in like mm. 5000 BC. But then it's like also came in parallel with the Greeks. So it's very Hellenic in nature, mm-hmm. too. But they were all in contact with each other. And we know this. So actually, what's strange is they were not in contact with the Chinese. However, they were developing the same system at the same time. And so the Chinese zodiac and the Western zodiac, there's so many parallels that we think that there's probably a singular tradition from like way back when before everyone was splintered off into the different continents. But there's no like true verification for this. But I thought that was super interesting. It's like, okay, so maybe there is a reason that it's like all of these same numbers, like you have the same symbology coming up again and again. This is why I'm interested in the esoteric shit, because I'm like, is there like a lost civilization from like 100,000 years ago that we were all a part of? Like, is this Atlantis? I can go down a whole rabbit hole about this. But yes, there is a lot of parallels.
1: Maybe save that for like episode about conspiracy
0: theories. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) So the, the Chinese zodiac, you've got the 12 animals, which are the 12 earthly branches. And then that's combined with these 10 heavenly stems, which are elements. So there are five, metal, wood, water, fire, and earth. And I feel like that's interesting because there are also elements in the Western Zodiac. I think it's fire, water, earth, and
0: air. There is a fifth. It's ether. They describe it as like the between space of like molecules. Like now it's considered like the between space of molecules, like where it's not air, it's like ether. Or like when you go into actual outer space, it's not oxygen. Obviously, it's not air, it's ether.
1: So I guess you don't have metal. Or wood. The
0: Chinese elements are more like materials. Mm.
1: Yeah. So basically, each one of these five elements is assigned a yin and a yang, which gives you 10 combinations. So then when you take your 12 animals and you match them with your 10 heavenly stems, you get 60 combinations because you can only pair yang with yang and yin with yin. Mm. That's why it's not 120. But anyway, this is already getting, like, so complicated. <laughs> but yeah, I had no idea that the original system was actually, like, a 60-year cycle. And this is, like, the oldest known dating system in Chinese history. Like, we're talking 1300 BC wow. has existed for as long as, like, written records have existed. And nearly all oracle bones have, like, an inscription in this format. Wow. That's fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds so crazy complicated to me now, but I guess, like back then it was like yeah everybody knew this this is like literally how they thought about time and it's fascinating to know that like yin yang which obviously we all know yeah like as a symbol right is like popular had roots like so far back right this like idea of like balance being important
0: that's fascinating and i also yeah i guess this like harkens back to the original question of like is this just a yearly cycle thing and it's not like it, it has so many more implications okay. like across time denominators Turns out the Western Zodiac does as well. Like, I thought it was just the monthly thing, but uh-huh. there's not. Like, there's the ages of the Zodiac. Do you know about this? No. Yeah, this is, I mean, I've, I've like, heard grumblings about this in the community, how we're, like, entering the age of Aquarius, which, okay. so here's the deal on it. So astrological ages are about 2,000 years in length, and each 2,000 years is represented by a astrological Zodiac sign. And from the year zero to the year about now, actually, we've been in the age of Pisces. And we're transitioning into the age of Aquarius. So obviously huge monumental shifts in energy coming into the age of Aquarius. The age of Pisces was noted by the rise of monotheistic cultures. But really, it's the age of Aquarius that's going to be colored by technology. It's supposed to be advances in humanitarianism and communication and technology in this new age. So...
1: Wait, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so according to this, there's only been one age in all of human history so far, and we're just entering
0: well, a new one. Well, I, th- I think technically there's been like two and a half, because humans are like seventy thousand years old. We have recorded history back like eight to ten thousand years, so not that much. They have like ages for like pre-pottery eras and Neolithic ages. Very interestingly enough, the age of Taurus marked like one of the earliest ages in civilization. I think it was like the very first, but one of the very first civilizations, they were bull worshippers and Taurus obviously is the sign of bulls. So I found that to be very interesting. Like literally the note on like what happened during this historical period was like the rise of bull worshipping cultures in the Middle East. And I was like, whoa.
1: (laughs) Whoa. Because like this is all based on an actual picture of the stars, right? Whereas like... The Chinese zodiac is not based on star constellations or
0: anything, but the Western one is, right? So this is like the ordering is determined by planets. Yeah. So each of the zodiacs is a constellation. It's actually quite scientific. I mean, this is why like science and geometry and math comes out of astrology. Basically, they took 12 of the constellations, assigned them each a mythos. And that comes from like the Hellenic, like Roman Greek tradition. They each have like a symbol and a sign, again, like rooting in the mythos. And then wherever the sun is in that constellation determines the time. So that's why like this time of year, I think we're in Aquarius right now, but it's because we're in that 30 degrees of the 360 degree turn of the sun over the course of the year that hits this constellation
1: got it this taurus thing is like literally the positioning the planets made it so that it was definitely a taurus and then also simultaneously humans just started worshiping bulls even (laughs) though they like they didn't have a concept of what a taurus was obviously yeah
0: pretty pretty much yeah
1: (laughs) that's fair. That's weird,
0: oh my God, yeah, I, I honestly don't understand how the age thing works because it's not based on the positioning of the sun, obviously. Like I think it is it's a... actually the positioning of Pluto that changes every two thousand years. But weirdly enough, the Earth has been rotating on its axis slightly since all of these calculations were made two or three thousand years ago. So really, if we want to be scientific about it, we have to shift back one full like thirty degrees because it's tilted so much. So instead of being in, Aquarius we would actually be in Capricorn like shifting back. I know it's really interesting because it is like quite scientific how it's done but then like it's not recalculated at all as the axis shifts. But yeah, that's why we see like such scientific mathematical accuracy with the stars and like the building of the pyramids. It's these cultures that were very into astrology and therefore into geometry and math.
1: That blows my mind. When I look at this night sky, I'm like, yeah, if somebody were to point out the Little Dipper to me, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see it. But like, if there was no guideline, and I just looked at the sky, like, how would I realize that, oh, the North Star never moves? (laughs) It blows my mind that people without telescopes and just like staring at the sky were like realizing all of this. I know.
0: So in the West, like the astrological tradition obviously has like such a huge impact with horoscopes. People know what their sun sign is. In the Chinese tradition, is the zodiac the same thing where you know, like, oh, I'm a yin water dog and it like impacts (laughs) your life in some way or like people like
1: share it? I mean, obviously everybody knows their birth year. So at that level, like 100% everybody knows. But I mean, I didn't even know there was all of this complexity until I did the research. I don't think most people are aware that there's like a yin and a yang or that there's also an element associated with their Chinese zodiac animal. I mean, there's definitely this superstition that still exists today around lucky years and unlucky years. So the funniest correlation I found was, okay, so year of the dragon in 2024, definitely people want to have babies in the year of the dragon. And actually, like 12 years ago in 2012, there was a 5% increase in the birth rate in China because it was the year of the dragon. So people are like planning, yeah, they're planning their birth cycles around these phenomena they're planning around wow like a an auspicious year versus like a negative year even like jack ma do you know who jack ma is he's yeah. the ceo of alibaba he's a dragon baby yeah so dragon babies are supposed to be very successful and likely to make a lot of money and have all these good things which is why people want to have babies in that year but it's fascinating because like in China, there's a lot of competition, right? Like there's so many people. And even the way the college entrance exam works is it's just based on a test score that you take against your peers from that year. So actually being a dragon baby is like disadvantageous because it's so much more competitive because there's just so many more
0: people. I thought you were going to say because everyone's so much smarter? <laughs> no. It, well,
1: I mean, self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because if you believe and obviously... I'm not saying all Chinese people believe this, but like as a culture, there's definitely superstitions, just like there are in the West, like how we don't have 13 floors in a lot of buildings. I wouldn't say like Westerners or Americans are so superstitious, but like clearly there are like real things that have we see in our daily Well, society, even if right? they
0: are superstitious, I think that there's this really dumb stigma attached to superstition. It has been a part of humanity since the dawn of time, literally. Like, it doesn't make somebody or a culture, like, less intelligent or rational because there's lore and tradition and superstition with it. I think that's what makes a culture a culture. So, like, to say that, like, oh, the the Chinese, like, quote-unquote, buy into, like, the Year of the Dragon being special, it doesn't make it, like, irrational. It's just, like, that's literally the culture, (laughs) like... It's fine. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think if you ask most Chinese people, they'd be like, yeah, we don't actually believe this. But it is funny when you like step back and you kind of are like, okay, but enough people are like clearly influenced by this where you're like kind of seeing it in the data a bit, right? And I'm sure there's other factors, but still like, Literally 2000, 2012 bumps in both those years. And imagine <laughs> the pressure
0: 5%. being a woman, like, would you just be like pounding the prenatal vitamins at the end of 2023? Because <laughs> you're like, I need to get impregnated in the next like three months if I'm going to pop out this baby in 24.
1: Well, yeah. But then also, if you just happen to be on the edge, like, people schedule C sections so that they'll have their baby like one week ahead of time if that current year is like more auspicious than the following year. Wow. <laughs> they've done research on this actually they there was a study I found that looked at if there was adverse health outcomes for these children maybe say, were getting born a, a week earlier and there weren't there weren't I mean this is not like people are not risking the life of their child I was gonna like, say,
0: are we like inducing preemies <laughs> for it to be like born in the year of the no, dragon no, no, no. okay if it's just like a week that's that's like, yeah this like, is like, like seven months
1: here it's like oh if I had a choice why would I you know not pick to have I mean I would everything go for my child <laughs>
0: right and like I would pick the year of the dragon for my child if it was the matter of a
1: week. Yeah, duh. Yeah. And so because there's obviously years that are luckier, like I would say the other piece that this is used for is when it comes to matchmaking mm-hmm. and like who you're compatible with. So in general, I mean, as I said it earlier, like you're not compatible with someone six years older or younger than you. So it tends to be like four years where that's a good match, according to this belief. Oh, okay, I like that. That's a good age gap. And so, yeah, when you look at your own chart, it will tell you like who you're compatible with and who you're not. And so for me, rooster, my best match is an ox and a snake. My mom is actually a snake. And growing up, it would be like, oh, me and my brother don't get along because the rooster and rabbit thing. But my mom and I got along great. Were you a mama's girl? Well, I mean, I'm definitely closer to my mom than my dad, but maybe that's true of all Asian dads because Asian dads have a reputation for being, you know, like pretty stoic and not very emotive, which I think is tough on an American child. Oh, really? Yeah, that's 100% the stereotype. Validated in your case. Validated in my experience (laughs) and I think many people's. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's just like actual data. (laughs) But yeah. And then for a dog, actually, like we're not supposed to get along, you and me. Oh. We're not like the worst enemies, but it's not the best
0: either. You know what? That's okay. It's all (laughs) bullshit. No, I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, clearly doesn't apply to us. but like is that how you got into the western zodiac initially because like i feel like that's the sexiest part is like figuring out what your sign is and like when you start to have crushes on boys right
0: like figuring what they are (laughs) i've always been interested in it but honestly i I lost a lot of interest for many years up until like quite recently honestly because i was like this is such bs not everyone born in the same month can have these traits and then like when i learned more about it and just realized that's like a bastardization of horoscoping basically and astrology and i realized how complicated it is I was like oh I get it now like I get why this is interesting and the people who are in it in it and who aren't bastardizing it by saying like oh you're an Aries you like definitely have these traits They look at it as like the planets and the stars referencing periods and cycles. And so rather than saying Mars is directly influencing my behavior, it's saying, well, we're noticing a pattern throughout thousands of years in human history that when Mars is in this position, things tend to happen this way. And we don't know why that connection is happening. We're not saying Mars is directly influencing it. Like it could just be cycles of history, cycles of human behavior. Like we do see cycles of history. People like study that stuff outside of astrology. So it's basically just a way of demarcating time to study patterns, which I think that is more interesting to me than saying that you're like an Aquarius therefore you have these traits. Yeah. Interestingly enough, Ruben, my fiance, his father is incredibly scientific. He is like an academic researcher. He's a neuroscientist and he's very into astrology, academically so. And he's like an atheist too. Like he is not spiritual, not woo-woo, but like that's his one like little woo-woo thing and he did ruben and i's charts before he ever met me before he knew my name. Ruben's not into this at all, but he was like, "Okay, when I meet a girl that I think is special, like I'm going to ask you to do our charts." And I'm not going to tell you anything about her beforehand. So he didn't, and he just wanted to like test it out and see how accurate it was. Uh-huh. And his dad was like, "You two are a perfect match. Like if you weren't <gasps> romantic, you would be incredible business partners. Like this is oh my- soulmate shit." <laughs> and so it was great. Apparently, my chart was like entrepreneurial and creative and like emotional and shit. And I was like, okay, this all like really checks out. And then you look at my chart and like the lines are all over the place. And Ruben's chart is like one line, like all of the lines are just like one very intense direction. (laughs) And he's like a very intense person. And his chart basically said that he was going to be really into nightlife. And so his parents when he was. Wow, that's so specific. So (laughs) specific. And he was into like poker as a kid. And so his parents were, like, worried that he was going to get into, like, the grimy side of gambling. And that was like, oh, God, it's in his chart. Like, that's going to happen. It turns out he's just a DJ, but (laughs) very fascinating stuff. So that that part, I think, is interesting when you get, like, really, really in the weeds with it and very, like, looking at all of your planets and, like, books that are, like, thousand-page tomes on how to analyze this stuff. And then you get a very specific answer, and I think that's cool.
1: So at that level, if you like truly understand it and you can like draw someone's chart based on like all of the 100 variables out there, then it's truly unique, right? Like no one has your exact same chart unless they were born the exact same
0: minute. Yes, it's by the minute. And then also by your geographical location. And that's why a lot of them ask like what time zone or even city you were born in because that matters. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. Wow. You've known your chart, I guess, for a long time, but I just did it for this episode and I didn't even I I like literally pulled out my birth certificate <laughs> to figure out what time I was born but I'm curious like what what your chart is and
0: I also don't really feel like I understand mine but since you're an expert maybe you can help me I only know like my signs which is bad <laughs> so I'm not like good at reading other people's signs because it, honestly it's so much information like I really admire people who understand <laughs> yeah but mine is I'm a Virgo's son so, to back up, like you have three major signs, which is your sun, moon, and rising. Your sun is, I believe, supposed to be your place in the world, not how you outwardly present, but like your purpose in life. Your moon is your emotional state, it's how you are on the inside, and then your rising is how you present, like how other people perceive you. So mm-hmm. my like purpose in life, greater being whatever, is my sun, which is Virgo. Virgos are very type a structure oriented. My rising, so how people perceive me as Scorpio, they can be scary, intimidating. Like you have very strong opinions about them one way or the other. And then my inner life is Aries, which is like emotional, woo-woo, creative, volatile. So I feel like it, it kind of like checks out for me. I'm like, okay, I, I see all of this. But when I thought back when I thought I was like just a Virgo and that was supposed to be my personality, I was like, nah, I don't buy into this. But I'm curious. What are yours? Tell me what you've learned.
1: Okay, so I was new as a Scorpio. And like, was like, okay, oh, yeah, this could be right. You
0: know,
1: <laughs> Scorpio is kind of like a polarizing person.
0: You strike me like, as so Virgo.
1: Really? I mean, yeah, the type A thing, but no, Virgo's not in my turn at all. So my son is Scorpio. My rising is Gemini. Ooh, she's right? complex. So, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I literally was like, I read the thing. So you can give me your take. But what it said when I looked online was, okay, the ascendant Gemini is known as... Someone who wears a mask when meeting new people because I guess the twins, so they got like two faces, (laughs) you can be like pretty hard to read and you tend to be friendly, flexible, but also indecisive, unsure, high strung, temperamental, nervous or anxious, talkative, and always ready for something different. I don't know. Literally, I felt like this description was just like a salad bowl. (laughs) Like, I don't even know. I feel like because it's the twins, maybe they were just like, let's just put a bunch of words that oppose each other
0: <laughs> no, no no it's a real thing it's a real thing and but this is your your rising right my rising so that's okay so this what makes, I appear as right this makes sense though because in our very first episode were you not talking about how you don't know how to like play the game and like put on the mask when you feel like you need to to meet people at first yeah like you literally used the word <laughs> that's mask true. so like here we are but
1: I thought this was like but Gemini, is they know how to do it, right? Or no? Because I feel like I don't know how to wear the mask.
0: Okay, touche. I, I, get, I think I'm just like, <laughs> I linking. like I'm linking the opposite. Right, it's just you're <laughs>
1: taking a word I I'm taking the word. <laughs> Yeah, but I honestly, that is. I think a lot of people do that because they like take the one thing, but they're like, "Oh, okay, I oh, latch onto that," 100%. and I'm like, "That relates to me," and then yeah. they start to believe, you know. Yeah. Again,
0: this is like what we're doing right now is even like the bastardization of the science. Oh yeah, like, yeah, 100%. yeah. We are not
1: experts. <laughs> this is literally like no. In both zodiacs, we're
0: <laughs> two like newbies. No, doing it this. takes like decades of study to be able to look at these charts and like divinate anything. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's what's your moon? Libra. Libra is the justice, like. Justice lady. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't like
1: conflicts. Don't like disharmony. I also feel like this one doesn't really apply because, as we chatted about in our love matchmaking and monogamy <laughs> episode, I definitely am a fighter. (laughs) Definitely, like, not afraid of conflict. Definitely not afraid to have disharmony. I feel you're more like this, actually.
0: Well, my inner state is Aries, which is highly emotional. So, like, maybe that just means that, like, I'm very reactive. So I need it to be more, like, chill. So, like, how it presents is, like a reaction to how you feel yeah no i I feel like my sun moon rising are pretty like spot on but yours are yours are more complex i would need to do more digging into this to see what it means for you because on its surface i'm not buying it either i'm like yeah i don't see it i feel like i need the full consultation with ruben's dad to like really get in there oh god yeah yeah I'll, (laughs) i'll send you or maybe we'll like put it up on the screen for the video recordings but i'll pop in my very complex looking chart
1: yeah go to youtube to check that out yeah so let's do, let's do the Chinese one.
0: Tell me about your Chinese chart so I know how to interpret mine because I was so confused. So enlighten us.
1: <laughs> I don't think I'm an expert. As I said, I didn't even know you could do a full chart until this morning. <laughs> but yes, I always knew I was the rooster. But actually 1993 specifically is the yin water rooster. What does that mean? The rooster is supposed to stand for all birds in the zodiac. So all birds being like the crane, the owl, the crow, the phoenix. And it's associated with the sun, which is in opposition to the moon. In Chinese mythology, the moon is associated with the rabbit. Oh my god, space rabbit. The moon rabbit is basically like a companion to the moon goddess. So it makes sense because the rabbit and the rooster are directly opposite on the chart, right? And roosters are known as deep thinkers, often thought of as honest, bright, communicative, and warm-hearted. They have high self-worth and tend to be independent. However, they have difficulty relating with others and tend to assume they are always right. So, I mean, I knew that growing up and I do relate to the descriptors. But I was like, obviously not everyone born in my year is the same. So this is like pseudoscience for sure. Water roosters. I guess water was a new thing I learned. And the addition of water, it seems, basically makes the rooster more of a patient person. Like they can deal with adversity calmly. They are more sensitive and artistic and creative as well. So that appears to be like the influence of water because you could be, let's say, you were rooster like 12 years later or 12 years before. That could be a different element and that would influence your rooster-ness in a slightly different way. (laughs) So that's how the elements work with the animals.
0: So it's by like cyclical calendar. It's not like your month or anything. It's like what...
1: Right now we're still talking the 60-year cycle. So even if you have someone in your family who's like 12 years apart from you, you're not actually the same symbol. You're not the same
0: animal, really. Yeah. This is really interesting for like generational horoscopes.
1: But then also you can actually have different zodiac animals based on this precise time that you were born, right? So my inner animal, which is like associated with birth month, is the pig. My true animal, which is associated based on my birthday, is the sheep. And then my secret animal, which is based on birth hour, is again the rooster. Oh, so you're a real rooster. I don't really understand these, to be frank, but basically like every animal has characteristics. Ones that you might assume based on our stereotypes of how that animal looks or how it might behave. So like a snake is sneaky. <laughs> okay, so then the yin is the sign associated with the rooster. So as I mentioned, like 12 zodiac animals are known as 12 earthly branches. You can only have a yin or a yang for one of these. So the yin is assigned basically to the rooster and yin is associated with the more female, the divine feminine. It's associated with passivity, dark energy, whereas yang is like masculinity, activity,
0: heat, aggressiveness. That's interesting that female energy is considered cold. You would think the opposite. But I see how like the aggression is like hot. hot. Like I I get that. I I do. Yeah. But come on, women are warm compared to men.
1: I mean, yeah. The Chinese believe like everybody has yin and yang both inside of them. It's not like only men have yang or only women have yin. It's more just like your cycles and like what is more present or ebbing or flowing over time. Yeah. Whereas I guess I feel like in the Western tradition, like if you're a Scorpio, you're a Scorpio, right? Like it's not like you have like multiple in you.
0: Yeah, it definitely is like influenced by what constellation was this planet in at this time. Like that's where you're getting that sign from. The influence of the other planets like it's like, oh, you are a Scorpio in your seventh house. And that means th- like it, it's all influence. It gets very complicated quickly, too. Got it. But yeah, to your point, it's not like things are like ebbing and flowing, though. It's kind of like this is just what you are. But like it's influenced in all of these different ways.
1: Yeah. OK. And then the last thing is like when it comes to Lunar New Year and it becomes a new year, it's so like 2024 being the year of the dragon in Chinese culture. Okay. That year it takes on the characteristics of that animal. So. The dragon year is going to be great for everyone, unless you really don't get along with dragons. And for me as a rooster, what do I have to look forward to? The phoenix, right, which I said the rooster is kind of in line with, like, a bird. The phoenix and the dragon are considered to be super harmonious. They're actually, like, considered to be a married couple in Chinese culture. So I've got a good year ahead, sounds like. I get to look forward to bravery, confidence, and high ambitions to pursue a luxurious life.
0: I'm so happy you're in my life this year, so I'll piggyback (laughs) off that. Mine was like way less positive. So I'm like the year of the dog. Well, I don't really identify with a dog if I'm being... Yeah, what is the dog? Yeah, so the dog is intuitive, sincere, diligent, loyal, and highly trusted. I'm like those would not Makes be Makes sense like, the like first... dog and loyalty. Yeah, it was <laughs> like this the, those would not be the first things I would describe myself as. And then the dragon is like mysterious and like majestic. There's vitality. So I guess like the theme of the year for me is like the dragon is overshadowing the dog in every way and the dog is struggling. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> so it was like gave me like very actionable advice though. It was like oh, Chinese i kind of like woke over here, like really knows what's up. Like it was like your health is going to be an issue for you, but like eat less sugar and spend more time outside. And I was like, "Okay." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Okay. <laughs> Go off. <laughs> and then with like money, money was going to like going to be a struggle. It was like, "Well, you could either be like real good and have some good investments or it could be a struggle for you, but like don't worry." And I was like, okay. (laughs) Don't worry. It was like, just like invest more. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Like giving me like really like sage practical advice based on this. Career is like, the dragon could provide a job opportunity for the dog. That's nice. But I love the justifications. They're so different than the Western ones that I'm used to. It's so much more like related to the personalities of the animals than I realized, which is why Mm. I found the origin story of the race so interesting and how it's like so moralized and like anthropomorphized. But it's like career. The dog belongs to earth element. Trees break the ground below. So the wood represents your career. The dragon contains wood. So that's bringing job opportunities to the dog. I'm like, oh, okay. So we're doing like symbology, like related yeah, like, to these yeah. like elements, and then like what the animals are doing for each other. <laughs> but yeah, basically the dragon just like breaking my dog shit all the time. and It's gonna be a tough year for me ahead. But I will, <laughs> I'll consume less sugar and go outside more. So thanks, Chinese zodiac, like with the sage advice. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's so funny. Yeah,
0: I think we're both maybe a little too too amateurish
1: at reading these charts. Like for I sure. know there's like people that you couldn't hire to do this. But if you are curious at like doing your own, we'll include like the links of the resources we found to take it.
0: That'll be posted available to everyone on our Patreon. We wish everyone a prosperous year of the dragon.
1: Yeah. And a happy, happy Chinese New Year, happy lunar new year. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the pod, we would love for you to give us a follow and rate us on Apple Podcasts, which helps us get the word out and reach new listeners. Full transcripts and show notes are available on Patreon, where if you choose to become a patron, you'll also get access to bonus
0: content, our monthly book club, and our eternal gratitude. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a topic for a future episode, email us at everythingiknowaboutpod at gmail.com or DM us across all socials at ecopod. that's E-I-K-A pod. Thanks for listening and see you next week.